everybody, Ryan here, recording a last-minute intro on an internal computer mic. Don't worry, the rest of the episode is in better quality than this. Just wanted to fill you in on a couple of scheduling issues with the podcast. This episode was supposed to be about Voyager Season 5, Episode 8, Nothing Human. But Brady and I have been on the receiving end of a couple of scheduling issues related to Brady's busyness at his fellowship and my busyness with a recent Kickstarter campaign. So we've had to shake things up a little. That Voyager episode has been recorded, but because we've already had to shake up our editing process, this episode about DS9 Season 6, Episode 9, Statistical Probabilities, is going to air first. For the next couple of months, whenever you're waiting for the next episode, it will either be our Nothing Human episode, the episode we the episode that we actually say is going to be next to the end of our previous episode, or possibly a Discovery Season 3 special. Be prepared for any of those possibilities, and you will know when things are back to normal once our Nothing Human episode drops. Sorry for the mix-up, and enjoy this week's show. So this is only kind of tangentially related to our topic. I mean, that's that's best way to do it right yeah but uh maybe think of it because you know there's there's uh there's a little bit of holodeck stuff in this episode not not a holodeck, holodeck but just like holographic projection into a room in this episode and it reminded me that i just recently was given as a gift uh the oculus quest 2 oh um, really oh. yeah and um and i kind of i get i got it and i was kind of like this is cool but like you know vr stuff had never really um it, it not, not that it hadn't appealed to me but just kind of i never really kind of it never called to me either you know sure um yeah and it was never the kind of thing you're like oh i can't wait to get my to, yeah to do that yeah mm-hmm. now have you ever have you ever done vr stuff at all or not really i haven't really i've done the so my um i've done just like the one that you can like stick on like stick an iPhone onto sure, um, sure. and like look around like some scenery or something. And that's, that's kind of the extent of what I've done. Um, but yeah, I've okay. never played with any of the, like, um, like the Oculus or the, whatever the PlayStation one is or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I, I got this and I was, you know, I was like, well, I should figure out something to do with it, you know? And I, you know, I know I beat Saber is like the thing that everyone gets. And I was, didn't really yeah. feel like getting that. I, I might still eventually, but you know, I, I already have like a rhythm game that I work out with like on the, on the switch and stuff. And so I was like, eh, but I had, I had, is I'd it heard the, that, uh, the Star Wars, or no, that's for Xbox Connect. The the Star Wars Connect game. No, no, no. Party. This is just like a no. But this is this is like a dancing thing where you have lightsabers, basically. But no, it's not the Star Wars game. But um, one game I had always kind of been curious to try because I heard it was really good in VR was uh, Super Hot, which is basically like a first person shooter game where uh, you and it was originally developed for like PC, not for not for VR. Then they kind of put it in VR and kind of redid it. But basically. It's like this shooter game where uh, time only moves when you're moving. And so hmm. you kind of are like fighting all, like these waves of guys. But then like, uh, you know, you can kind of like, as long as you're not moving, you can kind of like look and see kind of like what's happening. Like if the bullets are coming at you or whatever. So you can kind of like dodge around bullets. And then like, so it's, it's like this weird combo of like a puzzle game almost and a shooter where you are kind of like shooting things but you're also trying to but you can like stop and like figure out what you're gonna do next before you yeah before you like get shot and die yep but anyway i played that game and now i get vr <laughs> like i get like oh okay yeah this is actually like super awesome really and, and like i think the crazy thing about it for me and, and this is not going to be news to anyone who like you know vr is like has been an excellent technology for a long time but like the crazy thing about it to me was how fast your brain is like yeah this is real like this is this is this is what my reality is now um you know so like just like i i would be playing and then like someone would pop out and i would be like oh or or like at one point like it kind of teleported me to this to like i so i was like standing in the air like not on a floor and i looked down and i was like freaked out that i was gonna fall even though huh. 
like I'm not, I'm not, you know, I, I knew, like consciously, I knew that I'm in my living that, room, you know, yeah. but, uh, and now so does yeah, it make to, you, does it make you emotional? I've heard some people get like really sick with spending like any time in VR. Um, the, the game that I was playing, I think that that kind of like mostly comes from like when you, when you're simulating movement, when you're not moving, if that makes sense. So like if you're like flying a plane or if you're, oh, okay. uh, like if you're falling or, or, or stuff like that, like where I think I think that's kind of primarily where it comes from. And in this game, for the most part, like you're only moving in the game when you physically are moving in the space. Got it. Uh, so and I didn't experience that at all. But it just really just like snapped into place for me, like what it was and like how it worked and how how neat it is. And I also and, and kind of you know th- thinking about it for Star Trek, I was like, yeah, I, I you know obviously we we've always like thought oh this would be kind of cool if we if we had like a holodeck or whatever. But just kind of experience like a, a low-grade version of that like yeah like i understand like it, it, you understand even more it's, it's like i think probably we understand more now than they did when they were making these shows like how potent of a feeling that could be you know like and it, especially you know if you're if you're in a, a projection that is you know so lifelike like, yeah like that in, you would in believe or like act like it was all real anyway that's my uh that's my uh revelation this week is getting is like getting into like a 10 year old uh, technology for the first time this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Oculus. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Out of Contracts, the show where two guys who have seen part of Star Trek try to watch all of it in no particular order. I'm Ryan Howard. And I'm Brady Jungle. And we are returning once again to Deep Space Nine. Uh, the previous time we were here, we were uh, watching Time's Orphan, which was a not very good uh, uh, yeah, late period DS9 episode about time travel, I guess. And now we are back in another late period DS9 episode, Statistical Probabilities. Uh, this one is uh, written by uh, Renee Echeverria and Pam. Oh, I'm not going to be able to say this last name. I apologize, Pam. Pam Pietroforte, I think, is how you would say that and then it was directed by Anson Williams. The synopsis of Memory Alpha is Bashir helps a group of eccentric fellow genetically engineered humans try to make a useful contribution to the Federation. The Dominion offers to sign a truce with the Federation. Uh, so uh, yeah this episode I, I I feel like I continue to be thwarted in my recent attempts to be the Deep Space Nine booster <laughs> um, on the show because this episode is certainly better than the last one we did I think but it's still I don't think a great uh, representation of what this show can be what I know it can be because uh, I mean there's certainly some yeah. like relational stuff in this where I, I think it helps to like know who these characters are and stuff but ultimately this this episode was kind of very focused around a group of guest stars that just I didn't really <laughs> find super compelling and also I don't think that the show really knew what they should be analogous to like I, I really had a yeah it was one of those that I think as soon as they were introduced I became just very nervous about how it was going to go for yeah. an ep- a episode of television that was made in 1997. Well, the weird thing about this episode is that I, I really, it took me a long time to figure out what the episode was quote unquote about in terms of like thematically, because it, it seems like for a long time it's going to be about, I guess. I think like, it's what, about like, two neuro- different things. I was thinking about this, that like for the first like half of it or so, it's about like these people that like, and like, uh, 
Neurodifficult, you know, like how they're treated. Was right. it? Yeah, and like how they're treated by society in that, and then it turns to becoming about just statistical probabilities. Yeah, like like the using using like how how like using statistics and kind of like big picture thinking can kind of get in the way of yeah uh, of cons- of considering like actual human consequences to actions. Yeah, and you kind of you can't predict sort of the like the the power of the individual to make a difference. Right, um, but it yeah it. I think those two themes don't really mesh super well because it kind of ends up, it kind of at the end of it, like the, the neurotypical people kind of end up being the bad guys sort of like in, yes. in the way that, that, you know, where like the first part of it's like, you just need to accept them for who they are. And then, and then, and then it's like, Oh, but look this, this thing that that's up with their brains yeah, they're about them to, to act in a crazy way. You they're know? about but, to commit genocide and we have to stop them now. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Go ahead and take us in. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's do the, let's do the synopsis. So I guess this episode starts with, at least for me, first of all, us learning that Julian Bashir is apparently like genetically engineered or genetically modified, which I don't, I at least I don't think knew before. I don't know when, like if that's a, a thing in Deep Space Nine or... Yeah, I believe probably in season five, I think that happens. I have not gotten to it yet, um, but I had it spoiled for me uh, via the the phone game we refer to sometimes on the show, Star Trek Timelines, <laughs> because if you look at most uh, Bashir, Bashirs, you can see that he is labeled as an augment, which is like the kind of person who Khan and the Dynamics uh, yeah. Wars people are. So oh, I didn't catch that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah he, this so. Is, but it's like a, it's a later revelation, and we've yeah. always known that he's like a huge prodigy and. Yeah, early on he's just presented as just like he's just like really smart and and yeah, kind of this like wonder child type of prodigy. Um, but, but eventually, yeah. yeah, they reveal that he was genetically manipulated to as a, as a kid, I think, to yeah. to be have, to have like a higher brain power. Yeah, um, and be good at racquetball, presumably. Right. Yes. <laughs> And and also, I well, think he says he has like good hand. He says they gave him like right? like reflexes and coordination or something like that. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So the essentially where the episode opens on us being introduced to this group of of four. There's four. Yeah. Of them, right. Yeah. Of four yep. other people who similarly to him were. And I I didn't catch. Is it something that happened as at like when they were infants or like before they were born? I think it happened when they were when they were infants. I, okay. I, it's that's what that's what it seems yeah. to me. But essentially, these are people that you know not through their own choosing but as something that was like illegal that their parents did had their dna altered with the intention of giving them some degree of of benefit or advantage so like higher intelligence uh i think in pretty much all the cases and uh like reflexes or physical abilities uh but in the case of these other four people that kind of came with this uh some sort of like social deficit that um, they they're essentially sort of can't can't function normally in society because of the way they're they're impacted by this. Well, <laughs> yes. Although I feel like a couple of them at least could probably function relatively well in society. Like like they kind of give them all like one like personality quirk and yeah uh, it's like one of them like can't talk uh or like doesn't talk yeah it's sort of yeah uh one of them is like very childlike but other than that like pretty normal you know Um, yeah yes well one of them is just kind of like he he's kind of mean and he talks too fast uh yeah and like sort of hints at being like kind of like violent or or that um like he like threatens to hurt people or does hurt people and just yeah, is very kind of aggressive and and talks really fast and a lot and it, he's kind of like the main I feel spokesperson for them. He's kind of the main uh, one that interacts with 
with people. Mm-hmm. And then the last one is just she's just very sexual. It seems there's nothing. Yeah, she spends that... the entire episode like lounging on a a couch and like insinuating that she wants to have sex with people. Yeah. Did um, you did you notice at the end of the episode that? Um, <laughs> When, the, when, when they get beamed them, out, yeah, when all four of them get beamed out of the room, the three of them are standing, and then she's still lying on that lounge thing. And so I'm just like, well, she just got beamed into like a a, a hollow or um, like a transporter chamber. I'm just imagining like her just like getting suspended in air and just like fell on the ground. Yeah, or I just, thought the or exact she just, like, same thing. Ends up on the ground, like she's just like kind of like sexily lying, lying in a transporter bay. <laughs> Yeah. See, I I pictured her like sort of materializing like a foot and a half off the ground, yeah. and then just like immediately falling. Yeah, like um in in one of the, there's one of the one of the Abrams Star Trek movies where something like that happens where like I think it's the first one where they're where they're falling. Oh yeah, they are they're like free free uh, base jumping or whatever. Yeah, which doesn't make any sense because uh uh they they were still if you were falling at terminal velocity wouldn't you still be falling at terminal velocity when you got transported uh into the transporter bay room like so you would to... die just as hard as if you had like fallen and landed it on whatever you were going to land on yeah i mean i guess i don't know maybe the transporter room like it also slows you to stop but... <laughs> well it's like the it's like the looney tunes thing where like if you step out the door of the house right before the house lands and crashes onto the ground yeah you just like walk out right yep yep <laughs> uh yeah so anyway that's uh but yeah so, so, I'm, I'm glad you also I, noticed that yeah that was like probably my biggest laugh in the, in the episode is, is when they all get beamed away but yeah i feel like so that character's name is serena and i feel like probably patrick too could honestly or no they, she's they okay. i think she's lauren i think serena is the uh the, like catatonic one the, oh you're right so, yeah lauren the, yes the one right, that, that doesn't talk and kind of hides from everybody yes um, and but Patrick could probably do it today too. Patrick is he's a yeah, little he's, he's a little of, emotional, but he's like very smart and you know. Yeah, he's he's clearly very smart, but like and like very friendly, but yeah, it's kind of easily frightened or startled or saddened or that. Yeah, and I feel like I don't know this. I, I, I guess I should kind of tell the story of the episode before getting into my various things with it. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like Jack is could act normal if he wanted to. But um, anyways, so. <laughs> We're, we're introduced to these to these different characters and we find out that essentially they you know they're cared for at this they just call it the institute but this place where because they aren't kind of able to interact in society they it's this place where they stay and they have um, uh, professionals that help take care of them and help them along um, and so they've been brought here to deep space nine to meet with with Bashir to kind of I guess sort of as a and it's it's it wasn't really clear to me if it's because he's a doctor and he's actually supposed to be like caring for him or if it's more of just like a field trip to like see what a person who had like the same genetic manipulation as they did but who has managed to kind of incorporate into society is like um, yeah, i think it's the i think it's that i think they yeah. say that basically that they are hoping that by seeing that there is a that there's someone who has like the same uh procedures done to them that they had who is living a normal life like that they would have that they would be more willing to respond to like therapy and like work work with the people at, at the institute to to be incorporated into yeah. day-to-day life which i i feel like is seems kind of inherently flawed because i feel like the way it's established is like he is just like he's not incorporated into normal life through any special like kind of work or effort of his own he just was 
like fortunate enough not to have the like side effects that they did. Like yeah, he, 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 he basically just got like... the benefits of genetic manipul- manipulation and like didn't get any of the drawbacks other than like, like he's a little bit kind of socially awkward or just like, you know, like mm-hmm. sometimes hard to get along with, I feel like, but, but it, it seems more like it's just kind of like flaunting in front of them. Like, Hey, look at this guy who got all of like the benefits and none of the, like didn't have to deal with any of the drawbacks that you guys have to deal with. Why can't you just be more like him? Yeah. He, he straight up says at one point that basically that his parents got, got worked with a better doctor than the parents of the, these kids of the, of the, these four yeah, so like <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah it's not as if yeah he had some kind of program that he no one even knew uh that he was genetically altered until partway through the show yeah um yeah which i feel like i i don't know what the expected like benefit to them is supposed to be and it almost just seems kind of mean to them to like show them this guy and he like comes and like tries to talk with them and then he's just like all right well i'm gonna go have dinner with my friends because i have those <laughs> he's kind of a uh he's a little mean in this episode and, and especially I really at first I, feel, I really feel like he is <laughs> yeah and i've grown to like him quite a bit especially like his friendship with o'brien which i which again feels like a little that that was kind of strange too that o'brien uh bashir stuff in this episode but uh he's yeah he's a little he's a little like snooty in this uh a bit but yeah um but yeah and so he he meets them and then he goes to what i feel like in my opinion is actually kind of the best scene in this episode which is when he's yeah like the whole ds9 crew is kind of sitting down and having dinner together um because i feel like and again it it seemed like at this point this was what the episode was going to be about and they actually at least in this one scene seem to do it really well about just kind of the like kind of casual bias or casual bigotry towards people that are different without like intending to be mean-spirited or or that but that you know they're kind of sitting together and talking about um about these people that have come to the station and all the characters make different little remarks like some of them kind of make a little joke about them and some of them are like oh yeah well no they're definitely you know they should definitely be be treated equally they just shouldn't be allowed to be in starfleet or kind of everyone has these kind of presuppositions or these uh these kind of things that you know they just sort of say about these people without really considering what the implications for them as people is and just sort of treating them as as kind of others and you can see i think this scene especially like alexander Siddig really plays really well because you can see him kind of uncomfortably sitting there as one of the yeah like the group of people that they're talking about and like he feels like the kind of the pain of all those things that are being said as though they were said about him even though all his friends like don't think that they're saying about it about him and they even kind of say afterwards like oh no no we don't obviously we don't mean you like you're you're different you're not you're not like them um and i felt (laughs) like that was a very like that was a very real and like very kind of telling scene i thought about um how a lot of a lot of people that are members of groups that are kind of typically marginalized or that kind of how that can feel you know that it's not always cross-burning or uh you know like out outright discrimination but just kind of these these attitudes that people have that they don't even realize yeah and then you have people who are like quote-unquote like more respectable who then kind of mix with other crowds and then those people say oh you're you're one of the good ones or whatever and like then they're yeah or like like, oh well i don't think of you as being you know that like you're yeah yeah uh this is also i think like the only really the only scene that of significance that like wharf and jadzia and and like really Kira, like, i think Kira, yeah like are, are in 
And uh, <laughs> there's a great Worf moment of this where where he says something kind of offensive about them, and then uh, Bashir kind of responds to them. And he, he, Worf says something, what does he say? He says basically like, perhaps I just should not have said anything. Like, and it's just like a funny, it's just like a very funny, um, like it's a good delivery by Michael Dorn and also just like a very, a very like good little character moment of like that character who just kind of does not, you know, there's a very, there's a very like short way between Worf's brain and his mouth, you know? Like, and, <laughs> right. and, and so like, he shouldn't have said it, but also like he, he says the thing that you would think in that situation is just like, Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> right. But uh Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I like that I think that they it's it seems like from the ones we've seen um of of later DS9 that they kinda do these like dinner these dinner scenes quite a bit, which I, I like. It's kind of like their version of like the poker game. And uh Yeah, just kinda where all of our you know, the characters that we know get together and, and talk. Yeah. And just kind of enjoy each other. We also see them playing darts in this episode, which I think is the first time we've seen the dartboard, which is a very common thing on Deep Space Nine. Uh, but yeah, the dar- I think the darts is, al- is also like another kind of poker surrogate, mm-hmm. which which I say just in case you have not seen, if you're listening and have not seen a lot of TNG, a lot of there's a lot of scenes in TNG of the main characters talking about stuff while they're playing uh, poker, I'm sitting so. around and playing poker. Yeah. Yep. I was just gonna say the kind of the next major thing, at least, is that uh, a sort of a broadcast by the the Cardassian leader comes on... Uh, Goldemar. Yeah. Goldemar, uh, I think. Uh, comes on, like, the view screen, and uh, Bashir watches it together with the um, with the the other genetically engineered uh, people that they're visiting. And they, they kind of very quickly pick apart, just from sort of these few things that he says in watching his mannerisms, um, you know, they're able to kind of interpret a lot from that. And... And then they get really interested in finding out more about um, uh, the Cardassians and the Dominion War and kind of learn all about it and start coming up with, um, uh, essentially, they kind of see things that other, that no one else can see about the different uh, like peace proposals in that and come up start coming up with strategies for the Federation to actually win uh, the Dominion War. Yeah, you kind of, they kind of are revealed to be savants and and even sort of Bashir is which I don't think is really super consistent with his character like he's he's definitely like supposed to be very smart but this kind of portrays him as like operating on a higher level than I think is usually portrayed uh uh him uh, acting in this uh yeah. show but yeah um because it, it and this is I think where it got kind of a little weird to me because especially the first thing that that they do is as they're watching um Damar talk is that they can tell just from what he's saying, like kind of that he's hiding something or what what's happened in his past or and which like they have this degree of actually like social intelligence, you know, that they've studied like kind of how people behave and what that means about them, which makes you think that like if they're really like incredibly intelligent and they understand all of these things, that they could at least like fake kind of interacting at a socially kind of like normal level better was sure. it that made me wonder uh, I, I don't know. I mean I think that that's I, I guess I don't want to speak for like people with like autism or other like neurotypical neuro neuro neurodivergent or whatever the word is you want to use uh, I don't want to speak for those people I, I'm not one of those people but I, I think that oftentimes like you know people who have 
you know uh, autism or on the autism spectrum like have they they are probably they i think i i've heard people describe that as a kind of be, sometimes being able to observe that stuff um maybe better than they are able to practice it mm-hmm. or if they are practicing it like it's it is like it's a that they're more just it's kind not, of imitating really like, it because yeah, like, that is what would be expected in the situation not yeah, 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 and so I mean, like that's because uh, you know, I I don't I I guess I I want to be careful, like you know I don't I don't think that like either of us should be prescribing I don't think either of us are really that like these people have to act a certain way in terms of like how they comport themselves other than you know don't be don't be like a jerk you know yeah, in Jack's like case threatening it, like, to don't... break people's necks if they don't do what you want. Right, yeah, like, but like processing, processing the world different is is uh, fine. You know? Yeah, it's not a not a bad thing. Yeah, um, but yeah, and so um, as they're, you know, they they start. So essentially, what's going on in the meantime is the Dominion. You know, the Cardassians and the Dominion offer to come to Deep Space Nine and meet with um, Cisco as like a representative of the Federation and try to work out uh, a treaty to to stop the war. And they're able to uh, they're able to kind of watch these proceedings on a hollow recording. And the first thing they pick out is that there's a specific planet that the Dominion are kind of tr- trying to manipulate the treaty so that they can get control of this planet. And they kind of dig through a bunch of knowledge that they have, um, including a point where Bashir asks Jack, when did you learn to speak Dominionese? Right. <laughs> which is apparently the language, which I thought was just a very funny... Uh, yeah, that's a... I mean, I guess uh, uh, Dominion as a race is on its own, like if you think about it too much, but, um, but Dominionese Well, that's the thing is, is, that, though, is that... The Dominion isn't a race, but on its or well, there are different parts of the Dominion because like there's like three different classes of like Dominion governments. So, like there's the founders who are what Odo is, and they're in charge. And then there's whatever Wayne is. I can't remember what his he's called. Uh, and they're yeah. like, kind of like the administrators. And then the soldiers are the uh, the Jemadar. So oh, they're they the are, like really really spiky ones. Yeah, yeah, the ones that look like dinosaurs from the Jim Henson show. Uh, <laughs> Um, I don't think we said either that th- at this point in the in this point in Deep Space Nine, this is not always the case, but at this point in Deep Space Nine, that the Dominion basically have control over slash are working in cooperation with the the Cardassians. So like they're they're kind of you s- they see Goldemar uh, uh, talking early, you know, um, earlier in the episode, but like he is kind of doing this at the behest of one of the Wayun clones. Uh, yeah, you can tell that Wayun kind of like controls him and is telling him what to do mm-hmm. um and the the cardassians kind of at this point are almost like a puppet government of the dominion yep so bashir kind of uh works together with um with the other four and they come up with all these kind of all these analyses and all these plans and bring them to cisco and everyone's very excited of like we have this kind of new weapon that's going to come up with all these strategies to beat the dominion um, I also wondered at this point, like, don't they have computers that can do this at this, like, cause really all they're like, that's essentially what they're using these people as is just that they're kind of taking in all this data and like running models and making statistical projections, which presumably like computer technology could do. Yeah. I, th- I think though that there's the additional, like, kind of like, uh, psychology I, or, or, aspect of it where where like like the computer model wouldn't necessarily come up with like oh they're trying to go for this planet because 
Like the reason why they are coming with the peace accords is because they're trying to get this nutrient from this one planet, which is what you use to make the Jem'Hadar drug, you know, or like. Yeah. Yeah. I guess because uh, they can say like, you know, like, well, you can, if you watch his eyes, like he's avoiding looking at that planet and um, like the way he's talking, like this is what they're really after. I guess you kind of. Yeah. There's a degree of like personal intelligence that comes yeah. across there. Um, and then sort of the turn comes when they come up with a new projection and essentially um, Bashir comes and presents it to Cisco and they realize that, you know, every, every kind of simulation they run or projection they make ends with that there's no way for the Federation to, to win the war. Like no matter what they do, they're going to lose and billions of people will die. Um, so their conclusion is that the Federation should just go ahead and surrender now um, in order to save all the lives that would be lost in the war that they would lose anyways. And um, and then we have this conflict between Cisco kind of, you know, Bashir sort of brings these things and says like, well, this is the data. This is what's going to happen. I, you know, we, we have no choice but to surrender. And Cisco says like, no, I'm not going to surrender. I'm not going to stop fighting if there's, um, you know, I believe that like if we, you know, we can't just give up in, instead of fighting and trying to win. And Bashir is like, but you can't win. Um, and and really can't understand why kind of everyone that he suggests this to um, gets really like mad and is like, no, we're not going to just surrender. And and th- th- this is there's another, I think, really good scene when he, he goes to Quark's bar and starts playing uh, Dabo, which is is basically space roulette from what i can tell um and you know he's kind of in this like crazed state and he's like you know keeps like gambling (laughs) and at at least for a while like he keeps winning but and he's like no but i know like this this game is rigged and we're all gonna you know i'm i'm gonna lose we're all gonna lose um and quirk gets really mad at him for like don't (laughs) you know don't tell these people that they're that the game is rigged and they're going to lose because then they won't gamble anymore but but i think quirk actually kind of comes the closest to hitting on like what the the actual truth here is is that like you know part of humanity is that like even if you know the odds are against you you still have this hope that like you'll be the lucky one that will win um and Mm -hmm. and that's kind of you know, I think that's a common theme, like, in sci-fi is, like, what makes us human is that, you know, we may not have, like, the best, you know, we may not be the strongest or the best or have the best technology, but, like, we have this, like, kind of spirit and, you know, hope that we'll, like, keep keep trying and kind of face, you know, go up against all odds because we have this, like, hope that we can win. Um, mm. Yeah, but, yeah. It, it, I, I see what you're saying. I mean, like, the thing is, though, is that Quark is ultimately, like, he has the games are rigged so that Quark ends up with money. Like, uh, yeah. So, like, true. Bashir is, I don't know that Bashir is right. I don't think Bashir is right overall in this episode, but, like, he is right about, like, that aspect of it. I, I, this this episode is just so muddy, I think, in what it's trying to say, which I, I kind of have been, I, and I will continue to until we're done kind of talking about what actually happens in it. But I, I just want, like, I just, I feel like there's just so many weird little, like, things in it where it just, I think it could have had one or two kind of, like, clear points and it just kind of ends up getting in the way of itself. Uh but. Yeah, I believe that because then because then what happens is you know Bashir goes back to goes back to the the four like genetically engineered people and says no you know the Cisco's not going to surrender and Jack comes up with this plan of like well then the only way that we can save 
these billions of lives that would be lost if the Federation like tried to fight and lost the war is basically give away all of the Federation's military secrets to the Dominion so that they can win the war relatively like quick and painlessly. And so he knocks out... I think out- they say like... Don't know they say that, that that will result in only two billion people instead of nine hundred billion people. I think uh, yeah. dying. I believe is what they say. Yeah, um, kind of making this. You know, to them, this is this whole thing has just become kind of an exercise in like probabilities and numbers and almost like a game theory, like mathematical type of thing. Of like, well, yeah, you know, if if two billion people die instead of nine hundred billion, that's better. So that's what we have to do. And so they they knock Bashir out and tie him up and go off to meet with. Uh, with the Dominion and give him these secrets. And then when Bashir wakes up, he's left, uh, he's alone in the room with Serena? Is her name? Yeah. Yes. He's, he's alone in the room with Serena, who's the, um, the one that kind of doesn't talk or interact with anybody. And he basically convinces her of the right thing to do and convinces her to, uh, to let him go and to release him. And then, and kind of the, sort of the culmination is when, um, you know, Jack and Patrick and Lauren are on their way to to meet with the Dominion, and, and Bashir stops them. And what he tells Jack is, you know, you didn't, you know, you didn't plan on, you didn't expect for for Serena to do that to let me go. And that kind of goes to show you that humans will do like unpredictable things that um, that can change change what happens. And so there is a chance that we'll win this war, and and that's kind of what you can't you know, you can't account for that in just sort of treating everything like a, a statistics problem. Yeah, and then they kind of, like, everyone's like, oh, you know, everyone gets along, and then they beam they beam off um, to go back to the Institute. Yeah, it kind of, yeah, it kind of ends up being, like, the thing we've seen already in some of these episodes, like, where it's it, kind of like that old thing about, you know, e- even though the computer at this time, at this point is the is like these augmented people's brains like it kind of does still end up being that kind of thing about like ultimately you have to trust in humanity over data or or, or over over or over machine learning or, yeah like analysis or statistics of, yeah it's very it's very like the the court martial episode of of tos or things like that where you know the, the yeah. data is saying one thing and then it's like well this is but this is more important than that yeah i just this episode to me well, I, I mean, like, there's, just, I have so many, like, so many, like, I think some of the performances are okay. Uh, unfortunately, like, I don't love the the Jack character. I, I, like, I, I really found him pretty trying to watch. Like, um, he he overdid it a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but like, there's just like, what what do you what is your perception of the what those four were supposed to be analogous to, and what is a takeaway that you think the episode was kind trying to get us to have because the see that's yeah i think that's the thing is it i feel like it changed halfway through the episode and they never really gave like they never resolved the issue that they brought up in the first half of the episode by the end yeah because it started out as like you know there's these people that are like they should be valued as people and you know they have this like degree of essentially like disability like social disability um that I don't, you know, and I, I don't, you know, I don't have the degree of like intelligence or experience to, to want to like claim what specific things they were trying to be analogous to, um, in terms of like different, um, uh, sort of not neurotypical states. Um, but they were kind of, I think trying to be sort of stereotypical, what people think of as like, you know, like 
catatonia or um uh, uh aphasia or um or things like that of just you know uh people that that act in ways that are considered like different mm-hmm. um and they you know and they start out with this kind of this question of like should they be like to what degree should they be allowed to be members of society and then i guess they're like at, at one point it looks like their conclusion is well we should just like keep them in a back room and take advantage of their intelligence and then the rest of the episode is about like humanity and statistical probabilities and then at the end they're just like oh well Bashir likes you guys and you guys like Bashir. Now go back to your Institute. And I felt like they never, you know, they kind of raised all these issues of how these people are marginalized and didn't really, and didn't really come up with a good conclusion of, of kind of what, where they do fit into society. Mm -hmm. Now, I I think you're, you're, I agree with you for the most part, except for the, there's, I think one additional wrinkle, which I think confuses things even more, which is that dinner scene at the beginning um, with with Bashir and his and the rest of the, of the cast, because in that scene, the argument for keeping them out of Starfleet or keeping them out of like some aspects of society isn't that they're quote unquote weird. You know, it's not that like oh these people can't function well. It's that they cheated at life basically that their that their parents did this eugenics stuff to them and because you know earth has had a, a pretty nasty history with the eugenics wars of the 1990s that <laughs> uh which which is funny too they met i i've i think there wasn't that very was not very many episodes ago where, ago where we were talking about that that like it seems like they stopped talking about the eugenics wars after the 1990s uh, yeah because yeah like because this i think 1997 may have been when the eugenics wars happened let me see but um yeah, so they do mention it in this in this episode, but that like it, it they're kind of like well their parents cheated, and so if we let people who are augmented besides you, Julian, because you sneaked in, and now we're not going to kick you out because you're nice, like if we if we let those people in, then that's going to incentivize people to uh, to do this kind kind of almost like a, a not not entirely different argument from the argument that was being had in our last episode about if we use this source of medical knowledge that we gained through unethical means, like, would that encourage people to continue acting unethically? Uh, it, but so like that, that element of it, I feel like just models things even further. Cause I'm, I don't, I don't know what that could be referring to in any kind of real world sense. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. It just, it just, that, that aspect of it too, where it was like, is it, are you, are these, are, are people supposed to be prejudiced against them because they're, different or because they're too smart they're, they're kind of like they they have like brain steroids basically you know hmm. and but also like it seems kind of again i think similar to uh similar to the to the most recent episode to me that seems like a dumb policy for starfleet to basically say well you can't be in because you're too you're too smart you know right. you're you uh and then again, and again like, I, I you know I, I don't think you should be trying to do gene splicing on your kids, obviously, but, you know, as, as Bashir points out in that scene, they didn't choose to do this. Their parents did this. And so why, you know, why are they being punished for that? But, uh, yeah, I just, it just kind of just feels like it, it kind of collapses without really a conclusion, you know, on, on like that end. Um, yeah. Like those, those characters arguably like don't really have any, like they, they end up where they started. Like, they just go back to the Institute and, like, yeah, they kind of have, like, they got to have this interaction with Bashir and kind of, like, become friends with him 
and do this thing they were passionate about. But but yeah, you don't get any real kind of resolution of, you know, they kind of just end up back where they started. Now, I, I think the second, the, the other part of it, I think is a little bit more effective. Now, obviously, we, we've seen like kind of the, the, the like the 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 facts versus the quote the quote unquote facts versus like the you know the indomitable the indomitability of the human spirit thing like that that's i feel like that's a pretty hoary trope for star trek at this point it and that wasn't yeah. really the part that resonated with me as much as again i think that it's just like the framing of this, all this stuff is weird but like something that i was kind of thinking of like as the episode was closing it kind of started to click with me a little bit is that this the kind of the talk that that Bashir is using about why they should surrender to the to the Dominion is more similar, I think, in real life to the kinds of language that people use when they are talking about going to war. So, like, I'm reading, um, I think it's called Plan of Attack. Uh, it's a book right now. It's it's Bob Woodward's book about the road to the Iraq War, and um, like, it's something that's just striking me a lot as I'm reading it is that is that basically like they've all just kind of agreed that Iraq is a threat in this book. All, all of like the, the major players in the Bush administration, even though Iraq isn't really doing anything threatening to them. It's just kind of like, well, we think that maybe they did some terrorism connections, but like, you know, we're not like, like, it, the, like Iraq's not doing anything to them. They're just kind of like, well, we need to do, do this. And, and then like, they're also, you know, they're, they're trying to calculate like how many people are going to be needed to attack and where they're going to be able to hit people. And basically it's like this very kind of like anodyne, like sanitized version of, you know, how many deaths are going to be justifiable for us to, like, it, it, but but like they're not really considering that like like there's a couple of nods in the book to like people being like well look you you know you don't know if you're making the decision you're sending men and women to die so you have to like be cognizant of that but like ultimately it is more it seems like from the way the book is written that these people are kind of treating it more uh, as a like as you said like as a war game than as like a real or almost like a business thing of like what will the cost of this be and like if the benefit outweighs the cost or that yeah you know, what are like your overhead and and that was that was the part of this episode that I liked it's not necessarily like the thing of well ultimately you have to trust the human spirit or like that one person can make a huge difference or whatever it was more to me just like the very idea that that they were going to that, that, that like they were willing to sacrifice like billions of people's freedom for a statistical analysis that that uh, they would ultimately not have their freedom so we might as well just hand it over kind of a thing and it's kind of this weird thing where again i think it's kind of it's it's kind of being presented as like a kind of a defensive or a um like a surrender uh perspective rather than i think how it's usually used in like governments and stuff is like to take life instead of uh, the other way around but hmm. yeah. that that part of it i thought was kind of cool but that I feel like I arrived at that conclusion so late into the episode because for so long I was just trying to connect the dots between the 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 four visitors and the second half of the episode. And then, yeah, there's kind of a bunch of stuff in the second half of the episode also about, you know, just like how apparently one – if but the, by the, the fact that like one person might behave in a unique way thus invalidates the idea of statistics. Like <laughs> – because they even, I think they even address that when Bashir is like trying to explain his statistics to Cisco, and Cisco pe- keeps being like, "Do it slower and in smaller words." Um, 
the Bashir talks about how like the further out the projection goes, the more like individual kind of variations cancel out. Mm-hmm. That like like yeah, in the short term, the actions of one person can like affect things, but the the more you kind of com- combine like large amounts of data and you're more just following trends, like in the long run, those things matter less. Sure. Which I don't know if that's true or not, but but that is kind well, of the <laughs> approach they try to take is. I think it's kind of funny, too, because they basically, from what I read on uh, Memory Alpha, they kind of basically stole the plot of this episode from uh, Isaac Asimov's uh, Foundation books, which I've read like, oh, okay. the first couple of. Um, and yeah, there's it's like a very similar thing of just like there's this guy who's like, well, I ran all the numbers and like this is how human history is going to go. Yeah. And the then that's one where he like makes like these videos of just like watch this video in the year you know, 2200 and, and like, it's him kind of saying like, you know, by now the, yeah. this, this government is ruling over everything and you're probably being invaded by Mars and yeah. whatever. It's like a serious version of that, uh, that 60s song, like in the year 2525, if, if man is still alive. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, the I don't know. Future, I, the year 2000. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, yeah, I don't know. This this episode, it just didn't really click with me. And again, I I I said it recently. I'm going to keep saying it. Like this this is a good show, but we just gotta we gotta get to another. It's been a while since we've watched. <laughs> I think a good episode of the show um, for our show. So I I'm still I'm still confident in it. I know we're kind of getting towards the end here, but I wanted to quick hit, have a couple of quick hits because um, uh, I think we kind of spent a long time talking about the plot this time, and I just want to make sure that we we don't lose some details. Uh, um, you know, we always we obviously we already talked about the woman getting beamed out in like this sexual position, <laughs> but uh, the a uh, couple of other things I wanted to note. Um, one is that scene with the Dabo where where Bashir is winning all his money and losing all of the Dabo. Not to dive again into uh, Star Trek finance corner, but where did he get that money from? <laughs> like, n- never explained and then he does end up winning a bunch of money again at the end of the episode so like did, I'm just wondering like did he borrow some money from like Morn or something and was like look can you can you give me like a bar of gold press platinum I need to like prove a point I about need to something. prove a point <laughs> right oh the other thing I was going to say is that there's a lot of um, pads in this in this episode which I don't think we've ever talked about like what pads actually are like the pa- pads are ba- we've talked about, they're basically iPad things and uh, they they are it's spelled P A D D, which stands for uh, the personal access display device. Okay. And it's you know I think people have kind of like rightly pointed to these things as like being kind of ahead of their time in terms of in terms of like the technology. But I think it was it was like one of those funny things where uh, again to kind of call back to our our court martial episode where uh, the like it's this very futuristic thing, but then also. The, the admiral is like reading this report about what happened on paper, <laughs> right. like, like, like a giant stack of paper, where uh, there's at one point when Bashir is handing, is, is like talking to Cisco about their analyses. He like hands him like, like six different uh, pads that have this information on them. And I'm just thinking to myself, why doesn't he just like have this all in like a PowerPoint or something <laughs> on, like one, on thing, yeah, one pad? Just like swipe to the next screen. Yeah, he can just scroll. It, it, also, it's just very funny. Like, and I mean, it's... The, it's kind of used for like a visual gag, but but yes, doesn't. But he actually. Makes but they sense. look at 
there, but there's several other scenes where they where they have like six pads out on tables and stuff, and it's very odd. Uh, but also, I just I just noted that like if you hold six pads in your hand, like they look it looks so bad. Like it's it's very obvious that they're just kind of like cheap plastic. Like that plastic is not, props. That is not as heavy as like it, it as it should be based on what it is. Like when he just is kind of like comically holding six pads in, like in his hands. That's true. But. Uh, uh, yeah, those, there's just a couple of little things like that that made me laugh. I don't know that we have necessarily enough time to get into the O'Brien and Bashir scenes, but like that was another weird little thing in. in oh yeah, where Bashir calls O'Brien stupid. Yeah, <laughs> I th- that is something where I think that maybe played a little bit better for me than it probably did for you because like those two have like this very close friendship where they do kind of they are kind of mean to each other sometimes, but like it's sort of sort of for f- in a fun way. And also, like, they've gone through, like, a lot of stuff together, and so I, I don't think that either of them necessarily feels like they would have the moral high ground in their relationship. Like, I, I just watched a really good episode of Dave's Six Nine, like, a, a couple weeks ago that basically, where basically, like, uh, uh, Bashir is trying to, like, save these people that O'Brien deems to be dangerous. I'm, I'm speaking vaguely so that you you won't be spoiled or whatever, but, and then O'Brien basically takes actions that will lead to all those people dying because he's like, this is not, you know, this is, this is not a good idea and we need to get out of here. And, and, uh, so I don't think either, I, I think like they, they have like this weird relationship where like, I think it is like this kind of probably like the, maybe the most intimate relationship of any of the two characters on the show. So I think that that it plays a little more like a joke to me, but it still seemed like weird where he was kind of like calling, O'Brien, uh, like uncomplicated, you know, like it, it, uh, I, I was just kind of like, oh, you're kind of doing doing uh, Miles dirty here, but I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm curious, like how you felt about those scenes, like not having seen all of these scenes of them together. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they did communicate that like these are you know two guys that are like very good friends and kind of and are you know, we'll be honest with each other and, and kind of have this shared like history, like the way they're like playing darts together. And there's sort of this unspoken, like kind of nudging each other and, you know, that they reference that, yeah, Bashir like plays from further back in order to make it fair. But, but yeah, he, I feel like it was, again, especially for the first half of this episode, I feel Bashir was just kind of a jerk to a lot of people, both to the other augments and then to like his, like as soon as then he kind of switches where like then he identifies with them and then he's a jerk to like the people that he feels superior to uh what else you know is there anything else you want you want noted in this episode that you wanted to hit on okay i think i got out everything that i that i had a decidedly mixed bag i think this episode uh not 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 like totally worthless but i don't think necessarily either like star trek really firing on all cylinders here uh, either but anyhow well, thank you, everybody, for listening uh, to this episode. We are part of the Kaleidoscope Media Network of Podcasts. Our show comes out every other Sunday. But uh, in the meantime, you can listen to our sister shows. There's Here's Johnny, which is a horror media podcast. There's That's Not How Science Works, which is a science and pop culture podcast. And there's Wizard Studies, which is a Harry Potter podcast. Uh, so you can check all of those uh, three out. You know, For us, you can go to our website, which is outofcontracts.podbean.com. You can email us at outofcontracts at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter at Contracts. Contracts was spelled C-O-N-T-R-E-K-S. Uh, a little uh, slight plug for me. I just uh, a few months ago 
started a uh, Substack uh, where I just kind of uh, do some writing on like media and politics and other things that kind of uh, are have have are tickling my fancy. I, I kind of do that every other week and you know, it's, it's a kind of a good way for me to write about some of these things now that I'm not uh, working in journalism anymore. So if that sounds interesting to you, you can go check that out at anotherland.substack.com. Uh, the, the, the newsletter is called headlines from another land. Um, so I'm having kind of a fun time writing that. So if anyone, uh, is interested in that you can check that out but yeah i think uh in two weeks though you can come back and we're going to be talking about uh, a tng episode uh, the second part of a two-parter it's called birthright part two and it is uh start uh, sorry it's next generation uh season six episode 17 so you can watch that and come back in two weeks and we will talk to you later thanks thanks everybody bye